You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, food plots. It's time to talk about food plots. Matt is here, and I'm here. Everyone's like, food plots? Wait, they talk about that on this channel? Yeah. (laughs) What? They're going to bash him now. Turn it off. No, we're not. We're actually talking about our plans for the food plots this fall. You know, it's it's the latter part of July, um, and it is, I mean, we're, we're staring kind of the... The door is now opening. Now, everybody's been doing trail cameras, and then, um, or most people, you know, Chad and I, we were so busy fencing and getting cows and doing things around. We were so late at getting um, at getting cameras out this year, but we finally have them out, and um, we've had a few decent bucks show up, but we don't even yep. have all of our cameras out yet. We've still been just trying to, oh, logger moved in this week. Um or last week, I don't remember. We talked about it. Okay, we we didn't. Uh, unlike a lot of weeks where we record back to back podcasts, we actually this week um, recorded a few days ago podcast one, and then now we're jumping in and recording the second podcast. So I was having a hard time remembering um, exactly uh, what we were if we had talked about the the loggers moving in, but we totally have because that was the whole topic of that podcast. Exactly um, right. And so, you know, the whole topic of this podcast is going to be fall plans for our food plots. Before we jump in there, though, we want to highlight um, somebody who, let's call him a habitat hero, um, a guy who is um, obsessed with habitat management and um, trying to improve their property and do better for the landscape, and he's celebrating the big 3-0 Today or when this podcast release uh, releases on July twenty seventh. That's exactly right, Matt. You worked with him, Mister Nathan Lucas. Nathan Lucas, happy birthday, buddy. We uh, wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Your your bride reached out to us and asked if we could drop a line. So absolutely happy to do so. Hope you guys have a hope you celebrate a wonderful birthday and get out there. I'm actually going to be uh, have scheduled a, a trip to revisit the property and follow up on the the, the property plan in April of, of next year. So excited to see you then and uh, enjoy a wonderful birthday. There you go. Happy birthday, Nathan. So jumping into food plots, um, you know, it's it's been kind of 
for us over the last three, four years. We really haven't done, uh, you know, we, we developed these blends with Stratton Seed, and we are always tweaking. Like, well, there's stuff growing in our food plots right now that aren't even a blend. Like, it's just totally testing. We took part of a blend, or we took a blend, and then we added a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, we're doing something to one of the blends. In fact, Chad just called me today, and phase one, his idea, which I'm not even sure I've talked to you about it, Matt, or maybe he's talked to you, but something that he had an idea on, and I'm like, do it. If you got time, do it. And so um, he's he completed that. And a lot of these experiments that we do, you may never even hear of, or you may see it come in the form of a bag in two years. Um, but that's probably one of my favorite parts about food plotting. It's not about, like, I'm not a guy who says, I'm not the consultant who you hire, and then I show up and I'm like, you need this blend to kill these deer in this plot. You need to have, make sure you have this. To me, it's like, we just need healthy crops. I want diversity, but then I want bedding close because that's my goal. Now, the reason for diversity is I want something that's attractive at the beginning of the season all the way to the late season. Um, but I don't – I'm not that guy that's like, you gotta, you got to do this every year because we tweak so much and we change so much about food plots and different blends and tests and experiment different things that it's really hard for um, us to just say, yeah, I'm doing this every year. Like, I'm doing this till Jesus comes back. Like, you're going to come and see my plots, and it's going to be Legacy Blend because if if you think that that would be the case, you'd be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I think that <clears throat> people get, like, so caught up in, in the the blending aspect of what, what's, in, what's in this blend, what's in that blend, and, and really to the end degree, where I was talking, like, a good business talks about, like, their consumer, uh, who, you know, their customer, how do they service them? And I think that sometimes we need to rearrange our thought process on the whole food plot game and realize that we're not the customer in the situation. The wildlife that we're trying to feed is. And and at the end of the day, if you have side-by-side comparisons and you're hunting over it and, and we're talking about, you know, let's just say, for instance, the legacy blend next to cattleman's treasure or then maybe next to bounty hunter. Um, are you going to see this humongous difference in browsing pressures because they're only hitting one of the blends? Well, no, because there's a lot of the components that are similar throughout each one. It's just, how can we utilize those different compositions of plants growing at different times to accomplish, you know, different goals overall goals or maybe what's lacking in the neighborhood if you're expecting neighbors to be planting heavy bulb type food plots well maybe i want to offer a little something different it's we we just have to realize i think at the end of the day that we're not planting these things for ourselves and and i think the end goal can be boiled down to really simply i want the diversity like you talked about and I want those plants to, to just be healthy, individual plants, plant at the right rate out there in the field. The rest is going to take care of itself. That's right. Yeah. I think, <laughs> oh, if if there was one person, there's a 100,000, 
uh, or maybe not 100, let's say 50,000 people who, or 25,000 people. I'm not sure how many people plant food plots in this realm, but if there's one person who's put more emphasis on what they were planting rather than adding the appropriate amount of lime or fertilizer or even fertilizing in general, and I'm guilty of this, fellas like and, and ladies, this is something I'm guilty of and have been guilty of for a long time. I'm trying to do things a little bit differently uh, on a lot of the farm, but even though we've started adding lime and trying to amend the soil and get that pH brought up a lot quicker than we did 10 years ago when it was just throw the seed out, what are we going to plant? Plant this. Yes. And I think there's so many guys who fall victim to that. It's like, I need to plant this. I need to plant that. I need to plant that. That's what the deer like when they don't even think about soil amendments. Well, like, I mean, you think about all the blends that we're talking about for fall. There's there's not a crop in them that deer, like, don't browse. Like, they're, they're going to eat every single one of them. So you could plant just a field of winter peas, and you're going to see deer in them. Or a field of crimson clover. Or wheat. Just straight wheat. You're, every single one of those is palatable to deer at the right time of the year. And, and it's not like, again... We're planting these these obscure plants that are like, well, I think so. Deer gonna eat them or not? No, no. everything in there is good. Just just make sure it's 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 a healthy plant so it transfers that nutrient into that deer so it feeds and and provides you know, quality forage for that deer and they'll keep coming back. It's it's just that simple. Yep. And and someone probably is out there like, man, you guys are really oversimplifying food plots, but I think oh, man. At, I, I, I think it's I would probably point, take that as the biggest compliment out there. Right? I would too. I'm like, well, but we have to because really the the food plot if you will game um really just gets it gets taken down routes and avenues that are just way too far when you think about the end goal or who's consuming it, and we just don't need to. We just don't need to even worry about some of these things that that we do. And and I'm just gonna amend the soil properly, plant it, hopefully ahead of a, a nice rain event, and and you know have other rains coming along to continue its growth. And then I'm just gonna hunt it again. That's all I'm gonna do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're done with the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) why do we – I don't know. I I, I think that's one of the biggest things that people probably pick up when we talk about food plots is just that we feel like so many guys overcomplicate (laughs) it, spend way too much time in it, and um, probably think too much of their time, their brain time, um, brainstorming sessions revolves around the food plot when it's like, oh, my gosh, like that's just the cherry on top. We should be thinking other places. Sure, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So what 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 are some of your I want to say let's just say scenarios or situations that you and Chad are finding yourself into going into the fall of 2021 with with various food plots. Maybe you've planted the heritage in some areas or or beans trying to control crabgrass, goosegrass mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. like or I think I think some portions of the place um you might be in the next six to 10 months converting actually into pasture, diverse pasture. So like you share a couple of scenarios that you yeah. guys are in and how you're making the decisions of what to plant. And then I'll do the same. 
Yeah, so I think um, one of the big scenarios for me, like you mentioned before, is right <coughs> now on the family farm, we have a pretty heavy soybean monoculture um, food plot regime right now where um, we planted soybeans so we could spray them to prepare to hopefully knock back goosegrass and crabgrass one more time because we're going to put legacy in the ground. We're going to drill legacy um, here in the next couple of weeks, and which do not let me forget to mention an update on all the seed sales and all the seed yep. shipping. Um, but we're going to plant legacy, which is a 12 species, probably 11 this year, um, species blend that has a lot of cereal grains, um, and we're planting it because we absolutely, I mean, it's called Legacy Blend for a reason, guys. Like, it's not just coincidence. We developed that blend with Stratton, and we we just love it. We think it's an amazing blend. And so we're going to take that blend, put it in the ground, drill it in, and then sometime next spring, we're going to start grazing it. And we're going to move the cows in um, and start grazing it in certain pasture or certain when they're in certain pastures where it's open the gate and send them in and they can we can run one hot wire around it we're going to graze our food plots um and it's going to be trying to almost like mob graze where a lot of cows small area short period of time yank them out of there so there's going to be a lot of disturbance um a lot of manure and urine on the ground so that's our form of fertilizer and then we're going to yank them out of there and with plenty of time for those plants to continue growing. So I'm anticipating that's going to happen sometime in March. And then right. and then we're going to turn around and graze it again to try to terminate uh, sometime in May. Um, but that's really the goal for, um, for Legacy. It's going to go on the ground probably sometime in August. And it's going to start providing food almost within two weeks, probably even a little bit before. And then we're going to have that being a very diverse blend um, with brassicas, annual clovers, winter peas, and cereal grains throughout the fall and winter. Um, well, what's cool about you know incorporating I think the cattle into that realm, and and this is I don't I don't want to go off on a tangent because this is a whole other podcast, but at the same time, if you're grazing at the appropriate time in the the later spring, that second grazing application then you could put cows in and still have a diverse fall food plot be available or used by wild turkeys during the spring. There's so many food plots these days, I will say, compared to, let's say, five years ago, I feel like, or, or, or probably 10 years ago, that a turkey could have utilized way more during the springtime opposed to nowadays where there's so much emphasis that feels like on rye oh, during man. the bolting stage man it's just it, it's just it's a it's a known go zone for for turkeys and it's like we have these food plots for wildlife usage and an attraction and we're planting something that's not really attractive during a hunting season so all that to be said you can plant whatever you want to plant but then you you have this disturbance ahead or the first portions of uh turkey season you graze it appropriately you yank them off and now it's grazed down and voila 
turkeys are back in it utilizing it. That's right. And I, and I, I like what you said there about cereal rye because that's an ongoing conversation we have about the overemphasis of cereal rye and Food Plus now where, you know, if I were ranking out cereal rye, wheat, oats, um, triticale, like the big four, let's say, of cereal grains, cereal rye is probably my least favorite of the four. I like triticale right. way more than I like cereal rye. Um, and I think deer like it a lot more too. Um, and I think it's, deer it's, like it's wheat not, oats way better than, than yeah. cereal rye. It's not highly preferred. And then in the spring it bolts and you'll see the turkeys nest in it, but you certainly won't see Tom strutting around in it, um, later in the spring when it's chest high. It's, and, and, uh, and, and remember, it happens so fast too. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of turkey seasons are getting pushed back people too. something that maybe you haven't experienced in a certain state, but that's something that's happening whether you like it or not. And yep. <laughs> so you may not have experienced it yet, but well, you, will. Some, you, you will, if you're having really heavy rye or just really heavy small grain type food plots. So you do need that diversity, but also consider disturbances and so i got a little sidetracked there but i i did want to make that point and i like how the cow is coming back into the equation for emphasis and solving a problem it's a solution it's not the problem it, it's a solution in this scenario yeah yeah and so that's one of my big scenarios the family farm that's it's pretty much all <laughs> legacy blend going in um and, you know, we're going to start going more into we're hopeful that this is our last year of monoculture soybeans on the farm for for most of it. You know, if we if we start having uh, goosegrass problems again in the future, we'll address it with some form of herbicide. Um, and it may go back to soybeans because we do love standing soybeans in the winter. Um, but, you know, on my farm, I don't have food plots big enough to really withstand that. I did a few years ago, but it seems like the deer figured it out. And I just haven't had it the last few years. But um, so, yeah, we uh, that's kind of the family farm. And then you go up on top on the on the uh, Whistling Woodlands, I guess, the west side of Whistling Woodlands. Um, we had a part of food plots in Heritage, the deer absolutely torching it, which is great. Um, so we're going to have a lot more thatch because we're going to go in and, and spray food plots and terminate and then drill in um probably a mix of different things and um it's i what i'm looking for is we're going to use probably in a lot of these small plots where we have heavier browse pressure um and it seems like a lot more deer activity we're going to go more on the legacy blend because we have more species um down in the bottoms where there's going to be a conversion i'm going to use something else but up top we've got soybeans and heritage, we're going to spray and we're going to put legacy in because these food plots are less than two acres. So I think for a lot of guys, if you're in an area where you have less than two acres of food plots and it's a lot of deer activity, you need to lean more on on blends, not so much on monocultures. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a, a very well, good relationship between brassicas and cereal grains um, and even annual clovers where they all can kind of lean on each other. And one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that they're robbing nutrients from each other. Once again, where in nature do we find monocultures? It's not like, 
I, I, I picture some people paint this picture that you've got all these microbes and f- fungi basically under the soil, under the uh, in the soil, and they're like holding on to uh, uh, nitrogen molecules. Like, no, my nitrogen, my nitrogen. And there's another one going, my phosphorus, my phosphorus. When really it's a, I'll, ha- I'll give you this for some of that. I'll give you, I'll trade you for this situation. for that. I'll trade you some of what I got for that because I'm good at mining this. And because we have healthy soil, that's really what's going on. And, of course, <laughs> if you plant too heavy, too many seeds per acre, they're all competing with each other. It uh, it even if it's the same species. Doing. Yeah. And, and, and I think we should specify, too, when, when we're talking diversity, we're talking about broadleaves. And I, when I say grasses, I mean small grains like wheat, oats, and you know, yep. in a blade stage for the fall. And then you have other clovers um, or, or any combination of, of those, not yeah. just only the grass or small grains. We've got or grasses, we got broadleaves, and we got legumes. And they're all Correct. working together, and they're all leaning on each other. And none of them are going crazy and just got it all. You know, some years you may see when you plant a diversity, you'll be like, well, it seems like more turnips this year than kale last year or more more turnips this year than wheat last year. The next year it's more annual clover and grains than there was turnips. We don't know why. Could have been seed depth. Could have been soil conditions. Could Could have been been other variables. Rain. Could have been uh, too much rain, not enough rain. But all we know is that because we planted diversity, we have a much better chance of having a beautiful green field and putting all our eggs in one basket with a one species. And when we put it in the ground, it didn't work. It, it's a built-in insurance package when yeah. you're planting because there's variables that are out of everyone's control, period, bar none, every planting season. Yeah. Ask a farmer. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a way to get started out on the right foot by having options Yep. Or each scenario that could play out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, up top, Whistling Woodlands, that's on the on the ridge tops. That's what we're doing. Down in the bottom, I have a couple of scenarios that we're going to be utilizing. Um, and I should say, too, why we're not using Cattleman's Treasure instead of Legacy up top since we're planning on grazing. Great question if you were thinking about it. Cattleman's Treasure kind of falls to the wayside, it seems like. We don't talk about it nearly enough. Um, well, being three way. cereal grains and two amazing annual clovers, uh, or three amazing annual clovers, uh, depending on availability, um, there it's a it's a great blend. But I tend to like diversity, even more diversity than that, and um, I, I prefer Legacy over uh, Cattleman's Treasure from a food plot standpoint. But Cattleman's Treasure is more of a budget friendly. Um, I take the very best of the legacy and I put it in a package. That's Cattleman's Treasure. Um, and I'm just more on the lines of I want annual clovers and cereal grains because that's what Cattleman's Treasure is about, is having more dependence on grass, being wheat, oats, triticale, cereal rye, versus um, a lot of the annual clovers, the brassicas like we have in legacy. So um, yep. go, going down to the bottoms, um, in the bottom fields that I have, we're going to do – Two main things. Um, we're probably going to use uh, a mixture of emerge, which is just a whole bunch of annual clovers uh, and some uh, cereal grains mixed in. Um, and that's because we're trying to really see what those 
annual clovers can do when we plant more pounds to the acre. Um, not so much brassicas. I feel like we got brassicas, and this is where we're having diversity, but we're having destination forage. Um, and what I mean by that is, so part of the bottom fields are going to be bounty hunter, which has more brassicas, cereal grains, while emerge is more annual clovers. So we get to monitor what time of the year deer prefer one versus the other. And if that even occurs, like Matt said earlier, if it's it's noticeable, if it's noticeable, yes, because yes, certain varieties, you know, we all know that brassicas are more preferred post frost um, than they are early in the season, but early in the season, oats do really well in October for a lot of guys versus wheat later in the winter. Um, so they're all kind of have their peak performance time when they're most palatable and when they're most selected by the deer. So we're going to kind of monitor with those two things and bounty hunter being a lot more affordable and they're all affordable. That's one of the things we love about Stratton, but, um, bounty hunter is a, a lot cheaper variety, cheaper blend than the legacy or cattleman's treasure. So you can plant a lot of acres with bounty hunter, um, and be a lot more budget conscious. So, one of our bottom fields that's going to be converted to pasture uh, is going bounty hunter this fall. And um, Matt, you you know you know I haven't even had that conversation yet, but you know we've had a very wet summer this year. Um, this spring and summer we've had pretty good rains, and you go we've down had, through no, the we've had excellent rains. Oh, phenomenal! <laughs> yeah, we've had great rains. It's been a wonderful growing season. And the thing about it is. When I think about every year, you take the 12-month calendar and you say, okay, it was really, really wet. We had lots of flooding this month. Most years, take a five-year average, it all about averages out. So if you get a lot of rain during one part of the year, it probably gets pretty dry during the other part of the year. And I have a gut feeling that we're in for a dry fall. So I'm not wanting to invest a whole bunch of perennial grass seed and other uh, mixes, uh, other species that are going to be in that pasture mix. I'm not ready to put that in the ground this fall, believing that we're in for a pretty dry fall. It's been really dry the last four years, and it's kind of shaping up to be. Yeah. It's been rough. September's been our driest month over the last four years. September, October has been horrible, and I'm not willing to invest pasture mix seed into that. So we're going more of the bounty hunter variety. Uh, Annuals, which, you know, a perennial goes in the ground, starts to grow. It'll be like, no, i got to live for a long time. I'm going to save my energy. And annuals like, this is my only shot. Let's do it. Give them my best. Yeah, we're going to (laughs) put annuals in the ground, and then by next spring we'll seed in our pasture mix. So that's kind of the plan. Um, nice. In a nutshell, we're going to be utilizing everything but, I believe, Cattleman's Treasure. Gotcha. Well, that's the that's the cool thing about having, you know, different parcels to be able to talk about and find different scenarios for each one of these blends. Although, again, deer are going to eat every single one of them. Each one of the balances uh, of the species in the blend lends itself to maybe another element like cattle or another element like future plantings um, and the window and time that you would plant those future plantings. So each blend, again, we, we try and think of them as a tool and, and how can we best utilize each tool and their specifications of it for what we're trying to achieve. So for me, as I'm looking out the back window, 
there's a four acre, let's say, and just imagine a four acre square that's at a hay field right now. The hay is going to be cut and then will be sprayed and around an eastern or a northern border of that field, that four acre field that's going to be converted into food plots is going to be a 20 ish yard wide strip of the revival that's going to be planted. So it's a, it's a, it's a fire break essentially around an old field and a wood lot, as well as just having a perennial base into that four acres. And then the next or the remaining portion of those, acre is going to be broken up into legacy and bounty hunter so long-term plan for what would be about three and a half acres is to have potentially a portion uh probably an acre to acre and a quarter of alfalfa planted in the back just to watch and see how that as a perennial crop will do so with the alfalfa, the other option or, or advantage of planting that from a long-term standpoint is the ability to go back in and intercede into that, that alfalfa, almost use that as a base, a perennial base to plant other crops into both the fall and growing season. So do a little bit of experimenting with that, but just not wanting to put the eggs and investment into that basket this fall, not knowing what this rainfall situation is going to look like um and just based on the last couple of years and how much we've gotten in this spring and into the summer so that's going to be a portion of, of bounty hunter this fall and then the other remaining uh portion of the three and a half acres is going to be a legacy so there's going to be lots of diversity um you know we'll have side-by-side comparisons but really it's just going to be a four, I guess a three and a half acre um, smorgasbord of, of wheat, rye, triticale, tubers, annual clovers, and then perennial clovers bordering all of that as well. That's going to be the main hunting portion in the back. And up front is going to be, um, we're doing actually a pasture renovation, uh, spraying out a a very heavy fescue-based pasture. Half of it is going to be in an annual production. Um, So that's going to get sprayed out this fall and then is going to be planted in the cattleman's treasure, which has got small grains and annual clovers in it as well. Um, And then as cows come into the scene next spring, they're going to be able to graze on that. And then I'll probably go in and plant um, an ancestry blend type forage, so growing season annuals into that plot, and allow cows to be able to forage both on fescue, but then take a rest from the fescue, graze on this growing season forage, and or excuse me, the growing the annuals, um, both spring and fall annuals during the right times of the year. Um, so just in kind of incorporating that into the mixture as well, but then two. Although that may not be a main hunting location at all, it's probably going to be a lot of nighttime activity just based on its proximity to the house. It's not a very secure place. I, I kind of want it to also be this like extension out from the main hunting source to try and pull a little bit more deer activity and wildlife activity from what I think is outside of my border 
and into some other wood lots that are, are kind of close by this location. So kind of util, utilizing that as a, as a little bit of a pull and hopefully they're going to find the, the, the bedding thicket and the, and the preferred cover, the sanctuary security and additional food as well. So it has a lot of different components to it, um, but both utilizing for pasture renovations, cattle, and then this extension and off to the side of that close to the small pond on the property in an east facing slope, there's going to be a quarter acre to three three tenths of an acre fescue uh, removal and then planting into a per, the perennial base of revival blend that ought to do really well of this um, this shaded north slope uh, small opening. I think that its proximity to the pond honestly would be a good future hunting location um, with the right cover close by. So all those components kind of going into what this fall is going to look like for me, planning on drilling everything, but do need to take care of the hay first. <laughs> but then uh, we'll, we'll get into the drilling, amending, and fertilizing appropriately. So hopefully we'll get the rains and we'll have a lot of food, honestly, packed in on 35 acres. So it'll also be cool to see just how much pull we can get with high quality groceries out the back door no doubt no doubt um you know that's one thing talking about all this seed it's important that we bring up um kind of what this ordering if you're ordering from us or stratton kind of what you look forward forward to um and we've already had some orders but the first round of legacy that's going out we've been they've been dealing with um some inventory issues with uh, a couple of the annual clovers because of backed up harvesting time, limited supply, um, because obviously there's many parts of the country where you can't grow this for a seed harvest to then resell the seed. It's grown in the Northwest, um, kind of Oregon, Washington, and that's why you see that a lot in your seed la- seed tags when you do get them. You'll see that it's all from, or a lot of it comes from Washington and Oregon. So been a little bit of a, of a short supply of a couple of them so uh fixation blanza that's in legacy and cattleman's treasure that we really like so much it's going to be delayed a little bit so the first round of legacy is going to have persian clover which is kind of a new annual clover that's come on from the same area the same region um it seems to be a little bit more shade tolerant um Mm -hmm. than the other and has a different maturing time so um it's still a great everything seems to make it seem like a great and all the research that they've done out there makes it seem like a great um, annual clover. So that is happening um, with the first go around of Legacy. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised with the research that we've done, the what it looks like on paper, you know, its specifications and and how it performs. That it might be a and I'm air quoting a substitute right now, but it might find its a more permanent home in some of these blends based on what we're reading and seeing the, the growing tendencies and rates of this Persian clover. So again, it, it's a temporary deal right now, but it's not stopping me from moving forward with legacy at all on this point. I'm actually excited to see how it performs. Yep, for sure. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention, mention is um, when it comes to, Ordering on our site, I, I, I see. I feel like I say this every growing se- or every every time we're selling a lot of seed. But when you order on our site, 
you're going to see the price, and then you're going to see um, different shipping variables to where you can calculate shipping. And in the red letters, you'll see free shipping. Click here. This is for a custom seed invoice to be sent later. And I'm saying this because my wife is the one who usually handles our store with seed sales and, com and communicating back and forth with Stratton. And so if you order the seed, click the free shipping. That does not mean the shipping is free. Because of the platform we use, Shopify, we cannot create a custom that's like, oh, this is going to be easy. You ordered this amount and that because we sell everything from a four and a half, four and a quarter pound jug to two pallets to ship to West Virginia or, or the weight variation is so big. Oh my it gosh. Just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and it's so gotta be it's, generated outside. It, it has to be generated because what Stratton does is then they go to a couple different third parties. They get the cheapest quote and then they send that back to us. Then we send it to you and you say, yay or nay, I am okay with that shipping cost or I'm not okay you're not okay with it then we give you a full refund if you are good with it we then tell stratton they tell third party they put it on the truck out the door goes to you it sounds complicated it is complicated but it doesn't take that long to make all that happen because my wife is is in charge of that not matt and i that's why it runs right. smoother than matt and i trying to communicate seed sales um, but it's important to note that when you have to specify or you click on the free shipping it's not actually free it's essentially just think of it as a button to move you along yeah so you're going to make a purchase of seed and then you'll wait for the custom invoice to come back and you say you approve it or not it's easy as that um 2021 looked like higher shipping costs i know they are higher because everything's higher in 2021 inflation baby but um it's not as high. Uh, you know, uh, recently, Matt, we sent one that we thought, oh, that's, that's going to be high. It wasn't that high. It was like 47 right. bucks to ship it from across the, a state. So it was in another state, not out in Arkansas. So Wonderful. anyway, Wonderful. Um, guys, that's how it works. We appreciate all the seed sales um, that you guys, my goodness, you guys keep us busy with seed sales and clients keep us busy with product sales. And uh, it's been a, feels a little bit like right now I'm running a, uh, a custom uh, trail camera shop in my garage for all the clients, but um, and all the cardboard and shifting and reboxing and packaging. So didn't realize I'd have that on my resume one day. Um, but anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, hopefully you're going to be having some rains coming throughout planting season this fall, and there's already some good deer on your trail cameras. We appreciate everything, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Bye guys. We'll see you.